Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. We're home. I bypassed the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I'm here with my co-host. He is the man who asks himself this question every episode. What if I had another co-host? It's... (laughs) Uh, Am I also Brandon at this point, then, in that case? Yeah, probably. You know, balance (laughs) is important, you know? It's like each episode in all things. In all things, okay, Thanos, calm down over there. (laughs) Oh wow, I didn't even think of that. Okay, perfectly balanced as all things should be. Today, uh, we are excited because we are going to be doing Star Wars: What If, which a lot of people have asked for uh, Disney (laughs) Plus to do a series, and uh, you know what? We here at Clashing Sabers are here to deliver that for you. So, basically, I'm saying you're welcome. You're welcome, Internet. Well, we'll see how welcome everybody is in a little bit, won't we? We'll see how welcome we are. I think everybody else is still going to be good. You and I, we will see. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Uh, This may this may be our swan song. We will find out. But um, (laughs) oh, I don't I don't think it's that bad. I'm sure there are other things we fought over worse than these kinds of things. Don't you worry about it. Probably, probably. And uh, just. On that, you know, going through things, a cool little note is uh, at the time of this release, we will have passed the seven-year anniversary of Clashing Sabers. Seven years? Really? Seven years since I started the website in 2015. So, uh, July 25th of 2015 is the date the first article was posted, and... You oh, came on that's so cool. A couple year, a year or two after, it year, was, year and a half. I think it was about a year after, yeah. Because yeah. it was right around the time Rogue One was released, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to look on on uh, iTunes, but it doesn't go back to our very first episode because they only keep so many in the backlog. <laughs> yeah. That's no okay. <laughs> it still goes back far enough where I'm like, please don't go back and listen. Uh, <laughs> we had very bad studio quality. But yeah, I thought that was just a cool what? little note. Yeah, yeah. We only we, instead of encouraging people to go check out the extensive back catalog, it's like just go back like a month or two. That's probably safest. Yeah, probably good. Probably good. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've it's been it's been a lot of fun, and we've been able to put out a lot of shows and do a lot of uh, really cool things. And uh, I uh, actually seven years. Yeah, will be participating uh, with Fandom Ford in one of their YouTube live streams, which will have already happened after, uh, or excuse me, when this episode is released. Um, But as of right now, when we were recording, I have not done it yet. But uh, talking about book bans and Star Wars and how we can help prevent that and why it's important to to fight that. So I will link that in the Mm. show notes if you're interested in in that conversation there. But it's just been, uh, been a really great ride, and we appreciate everybody who's been along with us. So before we get into our what if, I have to ask you, what have you been Star Warsing lately? Well, I have started reading the oh, and I've already forgotten the name of it. It's right in front of me, the Shadow of the Sith book that came out not too long ago. Uh, not terribly far into it, couple chapters. 
Um, I'm already kind of tired of Ochi of Bestoon, so uh, this bodes really well for the rest of the book. I don't know if there's less Ochi the more you go into the story, or if, really, it, or if it's just a a an effect of having more of the other characters that it feels like less of Ochi. Interesting. Okay. I love what they did with Ochi's story in there, and I have an article okay. posted on ClashingSabers.net about um, hope and desperation and, and the parallels um, that are set up in Shadow of the Sith regarding that. I, I enjoyed his journey for what it was. You know, it took a character, for me, it took a character that was just a plot point because you needed to get from A to B and didn't have time mm-hmm. to explain anything, so you just put of Bestoon in there just to make it like, oh, he's interesting. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and made him, that's not the effect it has on me, but okay, sure. It's, it's not, but I do think Adam Christopher did a, a job, uh, a good job of making him as interesting as you could possibly do, but also understanding the limitations of that character. That does seem to be like the common praise of the book, too, is that it redeems a lot of what you get out of rise of skywalker so i'm interested to kind of see how these things all link together and 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 take what we got and, and kind of improve upon it i have not really done a lot of the comic reading that ochi of best dune stars in i just I, I can't tell if it's the name that i don't like there's something strange about the the name itself it's got a, a very strange cadence to it that i don't particularly enjoy um but I, so I've never have never really spent any time with the character. So the first few chapters, it's it's very introductory, and we're just trying to starting to get a handle on who the story is going to involve. And and he, so far, he's in like two out of the six chapters or so, and it, it's very early on. So no judgment can be made too quickly to say whether it's good or bad or anything like that. I've I've got a lot more diving in that I need to do before I can make that kind of call. Um, so I've got to get through this one first and then I'll, I'll try and read brotherhood after that. Have That's you, kind of the plan right now. Have you gotten to Luke and Lando's, uh, introductions in the book yet? I got to Lando first appears in a casino. Shocking. I know spoilers. I mean, I guess, um, I don't know that I've met Luke yeah, it might still be yeah. a little bit early to meet him if you're only like. Six no, I think there's in. a thing. No, no, no. There, there's a moment he meets a character who also we know from one of the other movies. Who that could potentially be spoilerific, so we won't talk about who he meets. But yeah, I have read that chapter. Okay, okay. Which I think tech occurs before the Lando chapter, so it may it clearly made a really good impression on. Me. So I don't want to go too deep into it because I want to say it for "Don't Burn the Sacred Text," but I do think. Luke's is the weakest of the stories, and oh, not- now stop that. That's not fair. Don't say things like that to me yet. No, here's a, here's the thing. It's not a, a, a matter of it not being great because I love it, but it's to me. I everybody else's story meant more to the story itself, and so I'll okay. be interested to see um, what you guys think because you know. You, Drew, have read a lot of Legends, and so I feel like this is is kind of a Legends-esque novel. Um, so I'll be, mm. I'll be excited to see. Because, see, I'm, I'm thinking about it. It's funny. I'm reading Shadows of Mindor right now, which also has Luke and Lando. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. I love... Matthew Stover's great. The writing, 
The prose Ooh, of man. it is awesome, but I just don't feel like the characters are the characters. I don't feel like the Luke that we have, it's not that he's doing anything or particularly saying anything that I wouldn't expect Luke Skywalker to do. It's not one of those situations. It just doesn't feel like he's saying it and expressing it how Luke would. So, yeah, yeah. and I okay. feel like that kind of, that idea reoccurs in the, the Legends novels that I read. And this isn't a slight on that. I think I could also be be informed by, you know, now having the sequel trilogy and stuff like that. And, and it changes, you know, it changes your perspective on it, whether you're thinking about it or not. But I always feel like Luke and Han and Leia, for the most part, are always just a little off in the Legends novels. And hmm. I, for me, that's one thing that I think canon has done a better job. And a lot of this, 90% of this compliment goes to Claudia Gray. But I feel like they've done a better job of converting the characters from screen to page. And that's probably because there's more involvement in screen to page yeah, uh, happening yeah. now and less just like, yeah, go have fun with it and stuff. So I'm enjoying Shadows mm -hmm. of Mindor as a nice little break from uh, the the canon novels. I haven't read a, a non-canon novel, Legends novel in a few years because we've been so overwhelmed with High Republic and everything like that. Gosh, yeah. But uh, with Padawan coming out, um, I'm really excited about that. I just got my preview copy of Princess and the Scoundrel, so I'm really excited nice. about reading that. And then, uh, God, they're they're starting to to post teases for the Battle of Jeddah in High Republic Phase Two coming out. So mm -hmm. we yeah, are about that's to what be I'm saving inundated. my pennies for. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about that. Have you got in 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 Mindor? Have how far do you think percentage wise are you through that that book? Uh, I'd say. On the far side of two thirds, I have about ninety okay. to hundred pages to go. So, so you're just okay. So you're you you. Let me put it to you this way: you have read significantly more of that book than I have. Um, I bailed on that one very like early on. That one of the characters makes the observation that the 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 shadow spawn isn't shadow spawn; it's shadows pawn. Do you remember that moment? I do remember that moment because you know who it is that makes that realization. Luke Who? Skywalker. Uh, as soon as I read that sentence, I slammed the book and took it back to the library. <laughs> it's like, this book is not for me. This was so ridiculous. It had very strong, um, you know, it's a cookbook uh, vibes to it. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm not really overthinking it while I'm reading this one. Like, when I'm reading... I don't think it requires that. No, it, it doesn't. But it, it's more of a matter of when I'm reading the, the new canon novels when they come out, I'm trying to absorb everything from the storyline. I'm trying to analyze it for, you know, my thoughts and things like that and how it evolves the story and all of those things, you know, going on where Jeez. Legends, I can go back and just read it and be like, all right, like kind of stupid, huh. but sure, I'll go with it because it's... <laughs> it's and, you and, and I, I read books two completely different ways. We Have we really ever discussed do. this? No, yeah, I don't think so. you're, you're like, I can't possibly keep in my mind when I'm reading one of these books the larger implications of all the other things and information spinning around it at the same time and try and make sure that it balances out and understanding the impact and effect it may or may not have based on this other information. When I'm reading it, I'm, I'm just allowing the story to really draw me in 
and the things that stand out will bear testament to the quality of the story and the writing. And if by the end of the book I can't tell you what happened, then that also tells me whether or not it was any good. But here you are, like, I don't know, you've got this galaxy map of stuff in front of you, and you're trying to keep everything in mind. It's like, are you, do you, like, do you enjoy these books? <laughs> oh, no, I do. I do. Because for me, it sounds exhausting when trying no, to keep all that part information of, part in of mind. what i love about star wars and the iterative storytelling is putting the puzzle pieces together that's why i like getting things like shadow yeah, of the sith that, so much because i'm going back and getting these puzzle pieces and it's like okay how does it recontextualize this and i'm not necessarily do it doing it while i'm reading but as i'm thinking about the book later on as i'm taking notes and so like there are times in the moment, but it's not like I'm reading one sentence or a paragraph and going, okay, how does this... It's it's more of a, a, a meta kind of thing. Okay. I, I can kind of understand that, but you're, the whole puzzle piece analogy presumes some sort of master plan at the end by which all the puzzle pieces fit together and make a picture. And I can't grant that level of certainty to a lot of what we do, like... Uh, it's kind of like the benefit of knowing that Ronin is a standalone novel and doesn't rely on previous information, nor will future texts likely refer back to it. So you're allowed to enjoy it as a kind of that standalone story that it's intended to be. And I feel like that is a lot more freedom for, for the story to evolve because one of the problems with the Legends continuity was how much they tried to keep in mind so that they didn't end up contradicting something else that was out there already. And that's just impossible to do when you when when the universe grows so big and you have so many people playing in the same sandbox your castle is going to get knocked over by somebody and so it's just so dangerous to like well not dangerous but again exhausting is what comes to mind and trying to make sure all that effort isn't wasted and then you gotta hope that nobody in the future knocks your stuff around either so i i don't know um they're not necessarily a bad thing it's maybe just the way you and i kind of approach things but you, you you're right about like the post post reading you know kind of that um the debriefing as it were of it of what it means in a larger context but i feel like it always has to start with the quality of the story like am i number one am i entertained number two is this trying to tell me something and number three is it effective in, the, in communicating its message if it can meet those three criteria in a positive response it's a great piece of work and we should be proud of it but i think we're going to find that more often than not is it, it fails at one of those things and if it misses all three then then it's probably that book about velociraptors and VR goggles, you know. It was neither entertaining, nor did it tell me anything, nor did it communicate well. <laughs> no, I, I made it through. That was one I made through, I think, about 20 pages, and I texted you, and I was just like, there are singing <laughs> you velociraptors. Like, what, what have you done to me? Did I tell you, I did a book report on that in, like, yeah. seventh grade. <laughs> Not good. Um, but see, like, with with Legends, I can just read it, more so and i'm i don't try to fill in those gaps right with yeah because uh, yeah you know which, that they don't they no longer matter yeah yeah they, they don't matter air quotes you know like obviously they still matter they're important to people and all of that stuff but there's yeah yeah, yeah they're yeah, not yeah. they're well, not consequential <laughs> caveats applied here yeah there's not they're not consequential to future storytelling and part of the fun for me of like because i wasn't in the fandom i wasn't reading the legends novels when they came out that was my my dark times when i was away from star wars and so part of the fun for me is i feel like i'm getting 
to kind of experience that now of the story mm-hmm. keeps progressing and evolving. And, you know, as you were talking about the puzzle piece analogy, to me, it's almost like I have all these puzzle pieces on a table, but I don't know if they're all from the same puzzle. And so I'm figuring <laughs> out and I'm not mad when a piece doesn't fit perfectly with another piece. There's been bumps in the canon. I'm more think about the the philosophical ideas that Star Wars is presenting, the themes, the overarching stories. I'm not looking at every little little detail about it. And right. I'm more invested in the canon books purely because I know that they are going to have, or I should say have the potential to have a, a huge impact on my future with Star Wars. So for example... Hmm. Battlefront, uh, Twilight Company, and Last Shot. Those are probably my two least favorite of the canon novels. I don't think about them very often. I don't remember what happened in them. I know I didn't enjoy them. That's I know a lot of people did. Cool. That's not a part of Star Wars I really cared about. So unless somebody brings up something that like completely shatters everything, which is not going to happen with a book, I'm not really too too worried about it. Right. But when you look at like a bloodline or a Leia Princess of Alderaan, those progressed my love of Leia so much. And that led to me loving Leia in in Obi-Wan and understanding her character more and her skyrocketing up from a character that I liked to my top two or three, uh, depending on on what day it is. So. (laughs) <laughs> there's when when I'm reading the the canon novels like it's kind of that situation it's higher stakes purely because I want it to be I'm not putting that pressure on the book itself but I know that each one has the potential to really influence how I see the 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 future of Star Wars and the, the stories that I read later on so for example like the alphabet squadron uh trilogy has it's got me in in a headspace where I think about PTSD and the effects of the war on people a lot more than I would have reading the Legends novels because they don't really delve into that and the characters that are are dealing with that there don't exist in the canon so it's like there's yeah. it, it has more influence for me because I feel like I'm getting in a way what people got when they got to like get the Legends books when they were coming out and it's like oh my god there's more stories with Luke and Han and Leia, and I feel that way about about the canon now. So it it is a very different reading experience when I'm reading Legends versus when I'm reading canon, but I don't want to say equally enjoyable because just straight up I don't like Legends as much as I like the new canon, <laughs> but it is, it is equally interesting, I will say. There you go. Do you have, like, a favorite Legends novel so far? Ooh, uh... I mean, Kenobi is really good. When I went back and reread Plagueis a couple years ago, I was just amazed by how quickly I tore through that book. Nice. Um, Yeah, I I love all of the kind of the Revenge of the Sith, Dark Lord, Labyrinth of Evil trilogy. Uh, Oh, yeah. So I don't know. I would probably say Plagueis purely because episode one gets more added to it which i love and it's just i was thinking about this the other night it's more of a character study you know i feel like the books that people still talk about with legends the the banes the kenobis the the uh plagueis 
their character studies in the in the vein of what we were getting early on in the new canon with Leia and Bloodline and Master and Apprentice and Dark Disciple that were yeah there's a there's a story and then it progresses what happens in the saga and yeah you know all of that but uh it's more about learning more about the character and that's kind of what I come to stories for is that understanding of the human experience kind of thing so those are the ones okay. that stand out to me if I if I had to pick one right off the top of my head I would say Plagueis nice not an uncommon response either I'll tell you that's probably one of the most highly praised standalone stories um, uh, of the pre-Disney era yeah it's 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 pretty rock solid and I, I mean I haven't revisited since pre a new, or excuse me pre Phantom Menace stuff came out you know, now we have Master and Apprentice, and we have. Uh, oh, okay, that stuff. Even um, High was Republic. Was there much of that there's in the Legends? Dooku Jedi Lost. There's not a lot of of. I don't think there's much pre Phantom Menace, unless you count like the the old old kind of the Dawn of the Jedi stuff. There's Dawn of the really Jedi and that old old like Republic Tales stuff. of the Jedi. Yeah, old Republic. But if stuff. we're talking, but there's kind nothing of, just like just immediately. Yeah, there's a there is a series I can't ever remember. If, I think Jedi Quest is Obi Wan and Anakin, and Jedi Apprentice is Qui Gon and Obi Wan. There is those series of you might be right middle grade um, novels. I'm not sure which ones which. Yeah, I'm pretty well, sure and there's a Jedi lot of Apprentice. like there's a lot of um, I'm I'm trying. To, I've got some Star Wars adventures that are that's that's a kind of the episode one timeline but they're more like elementary age books i'm not sure what you call those not middle grade novels but whatever young whatever the equivalent is for that young that's the word i was looking for you got it you got it there's a lot of stuff like in that area because anakin was a kid so they they wrote a lot of stuff for that age group using him as a character kind of his life on both uh before the movie picks up and after the movie ends so we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we are going to ask what if anakin when i tell you to run run master you're alive and where's your lightsaber it got knocked out of my hand by a rock yeah by a rock it's got to be here somewhere. That is a feeble excuse. You know what would be helpful? A little light? Certainly. <laughs> Silly thing. I was just working a minute ago. You don't suppose it was hit by a rock, do you? Oh, this should be interesting. So we are back, and we are ready to get into our Star Wars What If. So... The way that we are going to do this is that both Drew and I have uh, have scenarios. Uh, we have not shared them with each other, and we are going to ask the other person, and said person has to uh, tell us what would happen if that event was changed in the Star Wars <laughs> galaxy. So uh, you can hear Drew's maniacal laughter over there. I, I am I'm super reluctant. I hate the Marvel What If show that's on Disney+. Plus. It's not for me at all. I don't... This is not an exercise I would normally indulge in, but here we go. I'm doing this for you, Brandon. I loved that series, so I'm very excited about this. Oh, great. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so, at the end of Return of the Jedi. Okay, I'm familiar. There's a cave, right? George Lucas wanted Luke to put on Vader's helmet and become the new Vader. So, oh, my no. question to you, Drew is it's the end of Return of the Jedi. 
Palpatine's been thrown down the pit. He's yeeted his body into another clone. <laughs> Do with that what you will. No, nope, leave him that alone. Puts, yeah, probably a good idea. Luke <laughs> puts on Vader's helmet at the end of Return of the what? Jedi. What happens? Oh, my goodness. So at that point, he still has to escape, right? Because the Death Star is already on its explosive path to destruction. So he's got still got to get in the shuttle tight I'll tell you what. He leaves Anakin's body behind. That Are we presuming for this that he turns to the dark side? I don't... I'm asking you, what if oh, you gosh. have to come up with those decisions? Uh, okay, fine. Um, oh man. Okay, so he takes the helmet from his dad and says, "You're too weak to continue." And so he kills him on the spot on the on the shuttle landing ramp. Puts on the helmet, ditches the body there, and seeks to. All right, what does he do next? He takes the shuttle, and where does he go? He got a couple options. We could try and assume control of what's left of the Imperial fleet at that point, which is probably not the smartest idea. So what does he want to do? If he's turning to the dark side at this point, he's going to want to establish his own new empire. The best way to do that is to go and snuff out the fledgling rebellion itself, right? So he's probably going to go back down to Endor and... Uh, you know what? Let's the party go on. He gives it the night, right? Because okay. he, now he's a bad guy. So he he he's all smiles, you know. He's all happy and giddy to see everybody get got out safe and alive. But then when the sun goes down, he's gonna go from Ewok hut to Ewok hut and take out the leadership of the rebellion. That's what he does. Interesting. Okay, is that what you would have thought, or? Or are you not nearly as dark and depraved as uh, I might be? I feel like it, if you do that, it has to get dark. Um, first of all... I mean, he's a bad guy. That's what yeah, he does. He's, he's turning to the dark side. Bad I'm guy's envisioning gonna bad guy. Vader walking through uh, the village in Kenobi, where he's just snapping people's necks for no reason. <laughs> um, I'm just imagining Luke doing that, and it's kind of hurting my head a little bit. Um, it's a little a little bit crazy yeah but i definitely think he waits for the cover of darkness while everybody's kind of drunk on ewok wine and then he'll he'll make sure to stalk from place to place and very quietly and very sneakily make sure that nobody makes it out and it's hardest you know where it's hardest it's it's hardest for him when he gets to uh the real hero of the rebellion wedge antilles and he says i just don't know if i can do this and he, do you and think he lingers long and waits do you think he kills han and leia too Oh yeah, hundred percent. Really? Okay. That's, oh yeah, they're gone. <laughs> that's interesting. Like I could see Han, but I'm thinking about Return of the Jedi, right? And Leia is what motivates him to to fight back against Vader, right? And so, yeah. if we're imagining that that's oh, it already happened, you have to consider that Leia is the thing that ignited the fire for him. So I almost wonder if he would have tr- if he would have waited and tried to convince her to join him. No, I don't think so. He would have recognized her as a threat more than an asset. Um, you know, kind of like the way Palpatine considers Luke when he first learns about his identity. He has to be convinced by Vader that there should be an attempt to turn him first. But then even when Vader sees that's no longer an option, then he goes into, into taking him out mode. 
But Palpatine knew ahead of time where it was never going to work out that way because he's aware that the successor always looks to take down the crown. So Luke doesn't want to start off at, with with you know an apprentice so early on in the game anyway. He's not going to want to take somebody on. He's going to want to try and strengthen his position first and then look for some kind of you know, second in command, but someone he can still kind of keep under his thumb. He's never going to be someone who will keep Leia contained. She was always going to find a way to rise up above him and take him out, whether it's, you know, on the side of the light or side of the dark, it doesn't really matter. She's always been the one who's going to continue to push and make sure that things are on a path to be getting better and better, not to be getting, and she's never going to be satisfied with just keeping the status quo, nor is she going to be okay just playing second position. She's going to want to take first chair eventually, and he's not going to allow that. Luke's going to make sure that that gets snuffed out as soon as, 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 he, as he can before her latent force powers fully develop and she's aware of what she's capable of. Interesting. Interesting. So are you thinking that Luke would just kind of maintain the status quo and not try to advance the empire or advance his his power or hmm. like as i'm assuming he keeps the empire intact because it's a well-oiled machine at that point you know if you've killed the rebellion's leadership it's going to be hard for them to rise back up you've got you know time to continue to build that yeah. strength and you've been with the rebels so he kind of knows their playbook you know like that's part of the thing that initially you know makes vader dangerous is is he trained the rebels he of of onderon and stuff like he's thought like that and so he's able to to cover those gaps and i feel like luke has been he's been reading that playbook for a really long time and it's going to take a mm-hmm. lot to to throw him off i think i think you're kind of right in that he looks to assume a place in the empire and he probably would have to use a a a token of evidence that says look i've i've taken out he could spin a tale that says vader turned on the emperor i was willing to work together but vader took down the emperor and i barely escaped with my life and now as proof that i'm willing to lead this organization look here's the heads of mon mothma akbar Leia and Han and Chewie and all the people that you've been you've been fighting against for the past five years. I think he uses that as kind of his credentials by which to assume control. And then I don't know if he's on a galactic conquest kick. I don't think that's ever been his ambition. Um, but who knows the effects of the dark side at that point? They might it, he might be inspired to spread his own particular brand of peace and justice, much like Vader tried to do before him. You know, he's screaming at Obi Wan and Mustafar about. Um, his new empire he's brought peace and justice to the galaxy it's like i'm sure luke finds a way to spin that on his own as well not an uncommon method for autocrats yeah okay so bonus question on that okay hit me let's say for whatever reason he's unable to kill leia and han you can have he attempted it and they got away or or whatever you want it to be okay and so Ben Solo st- is still born. Does Luke go after oh, wow. Ben? Does Luke try to pull a, a, a Snoke Palpatine situation and turn Ben to the dark side? Uh, initial reaction is probably not. He Luke has not given us a lot of evidence of forward thinking and planning. 
Um, I think he's much more reactionary. He learns, but he has to make the mistakes first. So I don't think that there's a lot of, oh, I'm going to sneak inside his mind and poison the well early on in order to reap the benefits of it years down the road. He's not a schemer like Palpatine was. Um, He's much more a blunt instrument. And so I think he would do what it takes is if he were to learn of an uh, of of an offspring um or an heir to the skywalker name ish sort of uh he'd probably start directing star destroyers that way i don't think he'd do anything terribly clever other than that yeah what do you think no i mean i i think i think you're on on a, a good point there or you have a good point there that he's a blunt instrument you know i'm thinking about yeah. it like palpatine rose to power because of his ability to scheme and took advantage of Anakin because he recognized that Anakin was a blunt instrument and he was able to manipulate that in the right way. And the difference, the difference between Anakin and Luke is, is Anakin was controlled by that passion. Whereas I think Luke controls that passion. Like, yes, he's a blunt instrument, Hmm. but he, he learns where the line is almost like he knows like okay i know that 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 anger is for lack of a better term bad it it, it can have negative consequences but (laughs) i can also use i can also target that kind of passion towards something good like him like i'm thinking again about you know him fighting back with when vader brings up leia right and He's doing that out of anger, yes, initially, but he also, it's a, a, a passion and a love not born out of a need to control, whereas Anakin's is a need to control. And so Luke right. is a lot, is able to kind of react better to the situation in front of him. So I think you're you're spot on there that he would kind of take out whatever obstacle he sees as early as he sees it you know as soon as he knows this could be a threat i think you're right i think he just takes it out whereas palpatine would wait and kind of say how can i use this towards my advantage and anakin would try to force uh force it to his advantage you know kind of situation like i think if if let's say you know padme were to to stay with Anakin, you know, when he had turned to the dark side and he raises Luke and Leia while he's Vader, I think, you know, he just assumes that they're going to be like him and he's going to make them what he wants them to be. Whereas if you put Luke in that same situation, like, I think he sees an obstacle and he does something about it and then reacts to what happens after that. So, yeah, yeah. it's good. I like it. I like. I don't like Luke turning to the dark side. I think it's a, a terrible ending to Return of the Jedi. But I like your response. So, all right, nice. what you got for me? So, spoilers for High Republic and Phase One. Uh, uh, doth abound, ye be forewarned. At the end of Midnight Horizon, the heroes are saved when Grandmaster Yoda arrives on the scene and takes out, you know, all the bad guys. But what if that doesn't work and Yoda is killed 200 years before Luke Skywalker is born? That is really, really interesting because then you have to think of 
that puts a var chris as grandmaster to me that would make i like it already i figured you would like that she just (laughs) she has the the reputation and uh kind of the the name recognition stuff that i feel like the order would need at that point Um, that's true you know uh, Stellan kind of had that after the events of Rising Storm, and he that's why he, you know, got to take over Starlight Beacon yeah, and stuff. He's not available for the job. He's not, and also, he, I think they would he's kind He's busy of, being a pile of dust. <laughs> God, that hurts. Um, I, but I think... Not the, as much the as they're Jedi, him. Hey-o. I think the Jedi and, and the Republic would kind of realize, you know, that they needed somebody who didn't just have name recognition but also had leadership capacity which avar chris definitely has and so i think that avar would do a better job of keeping the jedi detached from the republic as much as possible i think part of the reason that yoda lets the Republic and the Jedi become so intertwined is because he has the capacity to live for 900 years. And so it's kind of like Luke says to Grogu and Mandalorian, like a lifetime for Mando is just, you know, like a day for you basically. And so for, for humans who, you know, live 75, 80 years, whatever it may be, there's a lot more urgency to getting things done in your life than there is to somebody who would be living for 900 years. So I think Avar stays more on top of keeping the order in line uh, rather than exploring the force and letting things just kind of happen and seeing where they go and kind of just fitting yourself into the new situation, which is what I feel like Yoda does during the or up to the prequel trilogy. So I think when when you get there, when you get to the events of The Phantom Menace, you don't have a Jedi Council that is so hung up on the dogma of things. I think you have... Ooh, okay. I think you have less of the Mace Windu, Ki-Adi Mundo types who are very just staunch black and white this is how it is i think you have a lot more flexibility in what jedi are able to be and so i think they let let let's say you know qui-gon still finds anakin i think they let him train anakin and because of that i don't think qui-gon dies because i think it's kind of a butterfly effect thing where if Qui-Gon knew that he was going to be able to train Anakin. I think he might have acted differently in that hangar and not just had Anakin hide, but have done some kind of diversion, come up with another plan where the two Jedi who could help Anakin were in the same place against the same threat. Like, that's a high-risk situation. You want to kind of, you know, sure. split them up. You don't want a nine-year-old and- running around when there's bad guys running around with lightsaber blades. Right, exactly. But then you also, like, if Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are the ones who, you know, theoretically could be, you know, that Qui-Gon would trust to train Anakin, I think if if Qui-Gon knew already that he was going to be able to, to, con- 
follow the path that he wanted to follow. I think maybe him and Obi-Wan split up. And so Qui-Gon lives and trains Anakin. Um, and so Qui-Gon lets, lets Anakin have a, a relationship with his mother because the Jedi are not so so dogmatic. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. a really good development. I like that. So so you have that, you know, and and Anakin is able to to do what he wants, you know, as far as going back and freeing the slaves. Qui-Gon's still alive, and we know from, from Master and Apprentice and other things that Qui-Gon wanted to do something about slavery but didn't know how to how to approach that. Um, and so I, I think you still have Padme in, in the conversation, but more so because, again, the Jedi are not so detached they're not so dogmatic and so Qui-Gon allows for Anakin to have I don't even want to say relationships but connections and so he's able to keep that connection with Padme through the years in in some capacity um and, and I think that if you have Jedi that are not so stuck in we have to do things this way. Our job is to defend the Republic. And you have, because of Avar, you have a Jedi Order that is more, we are here to help the Republic, not we serve the Republic. And that's a very different distinction. Um, that they don't get as caught up in the little petty things. That they're not so easily manipulated by the bureaucracy and Palpatine to just go solve the Republic's problems. Cause it was like, Ooh, I like it. It, it. it was just, Oh, there's a problem here. Go send the Jedi. Oh, there's a problem there. Go send the Jedi. And if the Jedi are the ones selecting the missions that they accept more than just doing things at the will of the Republic, um, you keep that, that safe distance there. And so you got to imagine a, a Jedi council made up of Jedi like, a Obi-Wan after like Obi-Wan, like a new hope time period who has a much healthier relationship with the force and the Jedi order, uh, your Qui-Gon's, uh, your, even your, your, like, I feel like there would be more roguish types like Quinlan Vos on the Jedi council. And Mm, so interesting. It's, I don't know, like, you You also have to consider, you know, the rise of the Sith and everything like that. And um, the Sith are still going to be out there, but I don't know if Palpatine is the one that brings their reemergence. I think if you're in a situation, if they're in a situation where the Jedi are not so easily puppeted, that they would have to rebuild the Sith in some way. Um, maybe you do that on Exegol and you build this fleet out there or something, but it would be going after yeah. the Republic would be a lot more brute force than it would manipulation because yeah, the Sith rebuild more as a military power yeah. than as a dark side manipulation, you know, duo. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it, it takes again. Like everything still kind of hinges on Anakin and Padme though, because I don't think Anakin is able to hide his feelings from Padme. And I don't know if they're able to have a relationship 
I don't want to use the word relationship because I'm not talking about them actually being together, but if they're able to have a connection through the years and maintain a friendship and a bond, I don't know if Padme gets caught up in the, the rush of danger and emotion that is, you know, the time of Attack of the Clones where everything looks like it's about to end and, and we just have to, like, we're just kind of caught up in a gone with the wind type situation. And so it can go two ways because at some point Anakin is not good at hiding his feelings. He's going to tell Padme how he feels. And so I right, think, but Avar Chris having been in the, not a dissimilar situation herself would probably cultivate a different type of environment for the students and Padawans to understand and explore and at least be open and honest. Right. And I think, I think that's a hundred percent because of, of this, the, the standards that she would set up. I think you're, you're spot on there. Yeah. I, and I, I don't think he is doing it like behind people's backs. Like I think he would go to Qui-Gon and go to Obi-Wan <laughs> and have a conversation about them. Like, this is what I'm feeling like. What do you do if you like a girl? Yeah, basically, right? And so then, but but when you're allowed to have different interpretations of what it is to be a Jedi, you don't get a situation where Obi-Wan hides Satine, you know, and, and his connection with Satine from Anakin. You have a situation where Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan sit down together with Anakin and have a conversation of, I was stuck in this situation too. We have... In Master and Apprentice, there's a little bit of a hint that Qui-Gon may have had something like that in his past as well. And so mm. they're able to have these conversations because the Jedi are not about finding a singular answer, but about exploring the different paths of how to live a good life and to serve and to you know, be in relationship and, and have connections with, with others. And so I think it if, if you have, if Padme denies Anakin then I think you could still Ooh. have Anakin turn to the dark side eventually I don't think it happens as swiftly as it does in the prequels I think you would have to wait a Palpatine would have to wait a long time uh for Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and, and everybody of, of that nature to be dead basically um and I don't know if that's the best strategy to to use, you know, like wait 40 years and not knowing what's going to come up next when you're a human. And that could be the end of your life and you're going to run an empire for a year or two. Like it's not a solid game plan. Um, mm. So you could still have Anakin fall to the dark side and and join whatever force the Sith rise up. But but I don't think it's with Palpatine, but I think the more likely path is that Anakin is, is the hero with no fear. And he's able to, to really realize his full potential. Um, there's, there is a part in, in shadows of Bindor I'm thinking about right now that I really do like, and it's when this character, Nick talks about, uh, Anakin Skywalker, you know, stood at the temple and, and protected everybody. And, you know, the, the story that's out there is that Anakin Skywalker was the last Jedi standing and he was the, the hero and everything like that. And I think more than likely what happens is if Padme accepts and wants to be with Anakin, 
then they still have Luke and Leia and and they're able to be raised. And I think Anakin's wise enough and Padme are wise enough to give him a choice um, that that wasn't given to like a Ben Solo, for instance. Uh, but even if Padme denies him, he has a support system that can help him contextualize that. And so he's able to stand and defend because he wants other people to be able to have the opportunity to live their best life and express their truth. Like that's really what's at the core of Anakin is he wants to be Mm. able to be his best self. He's just so tied down by everything and everyone around him that he, he doesn't feel like he is able to do that. I think if he is able, if he feels like he is able to do that, then he can't be turned. Um, and I say he feels like because I don't think he was really tied down as much as he thought he was in the prequels. It was a perception reality kind of situation. But I think here he knows that he is uh, he's able to to be who he wants to be, whatever that means. And the Jedi fits into his identity. It is not it doesn't have to be his identity. And again, all of that to kind of wrap it up goes back to Avar Chris setting a new standard for what it means to be a Jedi. Nice. I like it. Well done. You want to do another one? Let's do it. All right. What if Ahsoka, Uh after her trial, after she is offered to return to the Jedi Order, what if Ahsoka returned to the Jedi Order instead of walking away? Hmm. Okay. So you're going to quiz me on how much I remember from the Ahsoka novel. Got it. I mean, no, the, the Ahsoka novel happens after that, so it's 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 irrelevant. Yeah, I know. Well, okay, so then we know the series of events that Anakin follows because we've got that one last season and a half of Clone Wars that follows. So she's one of two things, really. She either gets assigned to different things or she sticks by the two Jedi that she, she knows the best. And it seems like they're probably not willing to break up that team. So they put the three of them on the missions together, her, Anakin and Obi-Wan. Uh, and so they're at, Oh, so she would end up attempting to rescue Palpatine at the battle of Coruscant. So she ends up on, she's probably get. does she ever fly a starfighter in the clone wars? Do we know Uh, she's got starfighter? Yeah. 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 She does. Yeah. She, uh, she actually trains uh, Padme a little bit in one of the Forces of Destiny shorts. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so she's presumably at the Battle of Coruscant. So they get on board the Invisible Hand. And it's the three of them. So Dooku is handled much easier because there's no way he can stand up to the three of them working in full power. The question is what happens to St. General Grievous? Uh, well, I guess we're not even there yet because they we've they rescue Palpatine. So I, I don't think that changes. I think they're escaping down the tunnel. Let's just presume Obi Wan stays knocked out, so they end up in the elevator shaft. They get to the hallway where they're trapped in the ray shields. Is Ahsoka smart enough to avoid that? I'm gonna say n- probably not. So let's just say they, they get kidnapped. They're taken to the bridge of the Invisible Hand. And then they have to 
fight their way out of there. Is there anything she could do that would make the ending of that any different? Uh, probably not. Grievous probably takes an earlier abandoning ship path. So he gets out. Good. He's safe. Phew. You had me nervous there for a minute. So what happens to Anakin after that? They crash land the ship. They Do they go back to the temple at that point? What is Anakin's next assignment? Where does he go in the story after that? Um, Obi-Wan goes to Utapau. Yeah, Obi-Wan goes to Utapau. Anakin Anakin becomes a Anakin a, goes to Pal goes to Oh, Palpatine. he's a, goes to Yeah. He goes to Palpatine. But then he also Palpatine has to, to kind of him spy on, on Palpatine. Right, that's what they they assign him to the the Okay. Okay. It's been a while since I've actually paid attention to that movie. So, let's say the two of them, Anakin and Ahsoka go and visit the visit uh, the Chancellor in his uh chambers and he wants to assign him to the council but not ahsoka she's too young she's too inexperienced i feel like palpatine wouldn't be wild about a woman on the council uh it's just the vibe he gives me um so how would she react to that anakin's obviously fine with it he trusts palpatine explicitly but ahsoka knows better doesn't she have run-ins with him during Clone Wars? He's like, and gets a bad vibe from him. Um, I feel like that happens at one point. Again, yeah, but you're the expert it, on that. It rings a bell. I have to rewatch. Yeah, Clone Wars I'm again. not sure. That we, maybe it's not that explicit. I think it's more a situation where Ahsoka has a better gauge for people than Anakin. She's able to see past her kind of oh attachment man, glasses. I got it. All right, I got it. So Ahsoka doesn't think it's a good idea she does not agree she thinks it's a bad idea so she tells obi-wan obi-wan confronts him before he can return to the council before he can return to the temple and they have a falling out because anakin obi-wan is literally in the way you know how in attack of the clones he's like he's always uh you know he's holding me back blah 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 so and so obi-wan literally is blocking the path and will not allow him to return to the temple in order to take a seat on the council and the rest of the Jedi Council is summoned to equally uh, basically go to arrest Skywalker at that point. So Ahsoka is drawn into this. And maybe it's not Obi-Wan and Anakin having their battle of heroes on Mustafar. Maybe it's pushed up to here where it's Obi-Wan and Ahsoka versus Anakin. Where Anakin starts to lose control and, and then suddenly he wants to take over the entirety of the Council because he doesn't want you know, just a piece of the authority. He wants it all at that point. So that's, oh, <laughs> all right. Much more interesting movie at this point. So I feel like that grand finale battle occurs here. You could still have it even where they leave him for dead because evidently everybody in this universe is terrible at checking a body for a pulse. And so Sidious shows up. Maybe he reveals himself to the Jedi and starts taking the council out one by one rather than waiting for them to come to arrest him where he's able to dispatch all of them. So Anakin still turns to the dark side. The question is, are they going to kill Ahsoka there and then? <sighs> Do you think Sidious and, Pal and Anakin are strong enough to overcome Obi-Wan and Ahsoka? I mean, it seems like the answer is yes, right? I'm thinking from like if we, if we're yeah. thinking like from a strictly power level perspective, Sidious is able to defeat four Jedi Master without breaking a sweat. 
Yeah, I, th- well, I think okay. it's three. <laughs> it's that fourth one that gives him a little bit of a problem. I think it's a closer fight than we would imagine just because Obi-Wan and Anakin and Ahsoka know each other's styles so so much. Um, but I do think the, the Palpatine element is too much to overcome. Yeah, but even if Obi-Wan and Anakin were to engage one-on-one, leaving Ahsoka to fight Palpatine, there's no way she walks away from that fight. Oh, no. No, not a chance. So, so if she gets, if she's gone, then it's Anakin and Palpatine versus Obi Wan Kenobi, and I don't feel like those are good odds. No, maybe he can still get away, but he's probably in the situation. He's probably left in as physical a situation as Vader was left at on the beaches of Mustafar. So maybe Vader's not the one encased in armor and a life support system. It's Obi Wan. Maybe so Obi Wan is taken here's by my survivors. Question, though. And go ahead. does does anyone come to get obi-wan like palpatine did with vader you know what the only friend obi-wan has in the entire galaxy is dexter jetster that's what i'm thinking and so that's what happens is the confrontation occurs and obi-wan is left there uh nigh unto limbless and and Dex comes out and brings him to the back of the diner and is forced to whip him up using only the spare parts he has for Flo, his attendant waitress droid. I like it. I'm on board. Again, much more entertaining, right? <laughs> they give him a mask that looks like Gr- Grievous's face. Because Grievous is still alive at that point. So maybe, well, he's still alive at that point. Man, General Grievous lives to fight in another day. He doesn't die in Utapau because Obi-Wan has gone into some kind of like uh, ultra back to tank healing. Oh, I love it. It even saves Grievous' life. Here's why I ask this as one of the what ifs because i know this is like a one that people have have pondered for a long time but i think okay the context changes a little bit with the one element that you were forgetting about which Uh is maul and mandalore because uh okay so you have in what way well maul is amassing power on mandalore right He's building a Mandalorian sure. army of great warriors that are willing, willingly following him because they believe in him and, and the Darksaber and everything. And Ahsoka is the one that's able to put a stop to that by capturing him. If Ahsoka doesn't leave the Order, she doesn't meet the Martez sisters, she doesn't go stand up and fight in the Siege of Mandalore, the Siege of Mandalore probably doesn't happen. And I think... Palpatine is able to use Maul as almost another army in a way. And so I would uh. add I would add that element into like imagine if Maul is able to to rise up to power more so and more so and like he he doesn't have a shot of actually beating Palpatine, right? But I think Palpatine would let it go just long enough to where beating Maul would be the thing that allows him to create his new empire. Yeah, he wouldn't be an army under the control of Palpatine, but rather he would be an obstacle to overcome. Right, and I I think Palpatine is smart enough to allow that wild card 
to to build until it's just the right time to play it. And so I think what you end up with is mm. because you want you want the 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 visuals of Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka going and defeating Maul to build the Jedi up as heroes, right? To then be able to flip that even more because that's what really like the Jedi being lauded as these heroes um, is what deteriorates and, and makes it so that Palpatine can essentially get rid of them. But there, if there's anything that people love, it's watching a hero fall, right? People, people getting knocked down a peg. Well, if you lift them up a peg and knock them down even further by having reports go out that that Skywalker and Kenobi and Ahsoka have been killed uh, on Mandalore, and I'm stepping in to, to be the Emperor, and here's Darth Vader, or I don't know exactly how that would play out, but I do think that would be an element where you get a a mall in used as a wild card to build a stronger belief in the need for an empire and get people on board quicker by defeating the Mandalorians. Um, hmm. I do still think, you know, Anakin falls. I think all that other stuff still happens. I think you do have that confrontation where... Uh, you know, Anakin is going to be turned, but I think that that would be an interesting, interesting element to consider. Um, is is that Maul Mandalore situation? Because if Ahsoka's not there and Anakin's not alone, you know, you got to imagine Ahsoka going with Anakin to Palpatine's office. Like, is there going to be a chance for Palpatine to really get his his claws into Anakin like he does, or does it take longer? Yeah. I no, I think it. I think it's perfectly fine, um, because she, he had the influence planted in Anakin so early on that the two of them, when you compare the length of relationship to uh, that he has with Ahsoka to what he has with Palpatine, there's so much more more years of influence that he has over Anakin and he's he's playing that father figure role that Anakin craved so badly because he never had a person who could do that for longer than a day yeah. until he meets um Obi-Wan and then really it's Palpatine who invests in him over time. Ahsoka doesn't have the same kind of mentorship authority over Anakin so he it, she is not a part of his decision making process. He's not going to have to run anything by her before he makes a call, but she is going to be on the lookout for his well-being because he serves such a, a similar role to her as Palpatine does to Anakin. So I don't think that it, the two of them go to the meeting. Sure. So now it's you know Anakin, Ahsoka, and, and Palpatine in an office, and he says, "I want you to be my representative on the council." He's gonna and Anakin's gonna leap at it, but Ahsoka's gonna have that trepidation that says, "I don't think this is a good idea. You're not thinking this through," because she also knows how reckless and and you know how much he moves forward with no without any abandon, and so she's the smarter one, the wiser one who knows to look out for these kinds of dangers, but she just can't get through to him at that yeah. point because he sees it as such a positive thing. Um, the Mandalore question I had, I didn't really consider just because it doesn't seem to play any particular role in Palpatine's rise to establishing his new empire. Um, it's not an aspect that's used in attack of the clones or revenge of the Sith. It's, it happens completely off screen 
I mean, the obvious reason for that is because it wasn't developed until 10, 15 years later. I understand that. But even if we try and consider within context, within universe, um, Maul's goal is not to rise up an army. It's just to remain in control. You know, he's bouncing from organization to organization, and he's not looking to ever be the best. He's not looking to stop Palpatine. From what I can remember, you'll be able to correct me. Well, he does. Um, he is like his goal. He's afraid of Palpatine. He's afraid of Palpatine, but he it he does eventually get to the point uh, where he wants to to end the Sith. Like that's where he's at in Rebels. So I think you know that that is something that we have to consider. Is he he does want to not even necessarily end the Sith. He just, he wants revenge on Palpatine. So I think that that, that is a motivating factor. I think with Siege of Mandalore as it is, he knows at that moment, he's not going to be able to defeat Palpatine, uh, which is why he proposes to Ahsoka to, to go with him. So that element's still there. Like he, he does want to get to Palpatine. Hmm. Okay. So I think, I mean, possibly, I think the one of the interesting things um, to also think about with that situation with the the Anakin Ahsoka, I do think you're right that Ahsoka would be like Anakin, like think this through. But I also think that Anakin would have been given the rank of master if he had. Oh, in that uh. if, if Ahsoka had returned because if Ahsoka had returned, mm. that was her great trial, and she was going to be knighted. Like that is the, what would have happened after that. And so you have him successfully training Ahsoka, helping her to overcome this this great challenge and stuff. And so when he is, you know, joining the council as Palpatine's aide, I think you do have more council members, more masters who are willing to consider Anakin as an equal and as a master. And so, Oh boy. I don't, that's, in, that's an interesting question. I don't know that I know enough about the qualifications for that particular job promotion. They're very, very uh, uh, fast and loose. Um, yeah, but, it, it, it's hero qualifications. It's what the story needs. Exactly, exactly. I don't know about that. Cause I don't know that now you have to kind of understand what's Mace Windu's motivations and for that decision and pronouncement. Do you think it's a one guy gets to make that call? Like, is Mace Windu in charge of that? Is he the, no, the no, human no, no, resources no. president? Do you think they have to like take a collective vote I, I to think approve somebody as a master? You can a, be on the master. You can be a master and not on the council. But up to that point, you could not be on the council and not a master. Right. Right. So the two things are, it's not like mutually exclusive. You, you don't have to be on the council in order to attain the rank of master. So that's not the, that's not the particularly egregiousness of the decision. But then what does it take to move you from knight to masterhood? I don't think Mace made the decision by himself. Because like, if you're going to do that, then why even have a council? Just have one person in charge. My headcanon... That's a fairly good point. Since we don't get to actually like see them have conversations my headcanon has always been that the council has a connection through the force where they can kind of sense what the others would vote um and that maybe they have conversations about it but you know 
this is kind of thrown on their their plate like right away. So I don't know how much conversation they had about it. Um, with the look that Obi Wan gives, like there's clearly a little bit of of dissension, and maybe not everybody's comfortable with the decision for a myriad of reasons, both like when I say decisions, I mean like promoting Anakin to master, but also not promoting him to master and letting him on the council. Like I I think there's some dissension there. Um, Oh yeah. My idea that I've kind of just have kept since I was a kid was like, if you successfully train a Padawan, then you raise to the level of master but I don't think there's any canon there. But I do think if if Anakin as the chosen one is able to successfully train Ahsoka and and she stays in the order and becomes a knight, it, it very much like it did for Obi Wan, it propels you into into knighthood or into masterhood. So yeah, that makes that makes sense. I would just be very interested to see what's like the written test that they have to pass in order to to gain that particular rank. Yeah, very fast and loose. But yeah, right. you you know, Mace Windu's got like a checklist or something. Oh, you know he does. Yeah, he pulls out his iPhone. He's like, let's see, check that that that. <laughs> he's got a space Excel spreadsheet that he yes uses he does and checks boxes. It's my kind of guy. All <laughs> right, so give me your next one. All right, number two. We're going to take a step uh, a little bit away from source material. What if you, Brandon J. Boylan, you not were my, asked my to name, make... Th- but okay. That, that's all right. You get to make three changes to the original trilogy f- films, and you get to create a super special edition. Okay. Number... W- well, hold on. Are we going off of the special editions? I have given you all of the information available okay. in order for you to make decisions. Okay. I'm going to say uh, we're... Just today, right now. Going from the special editions, because those are the the standard as it is. Uh, number one... Sort of, but okay. Number one, Luke and Leia don't kiss. There's no reason for that scene to still exist. That's well, just, Okay. Which one? Which one? Because there are th- three. The makeout scene in Empire Strikes Back. The first one on Hoth? Yeah. Because there's the second one on board the Falcon after he falls from Cloud City. Well, doesn't she, like, she, like, kisses him on the forehead or something like that? I think it's a little bit more than just on the forehead. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. (laughs) Laugh it up, fuzzball. There's absolutely reason for that sequence. Are you kidding me? She does that to drive Han out of his mind. Oh, no, no, no. There's reason for that scene. It doesn't need to be in there with the full context of the story that we now have. It's just uncomfortable. But they don't know that. All right, fine. This is your situation, not mine. You gave me the power. Number two. That's, that's um, true. We don't have Jedi rocks because. Blasphemy. How dare you? I said what I said. I don't want to look <laughs> down his throat ever again. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. You got one more. One more change you can make. Am I just making it to the original trilogy? That's, the, that's, the, that's what the prompt assigned you. We can talk okay. about the other ones if you want, but you can only get through if you give me one more change to the original trilogy. Okay. 
come on. I think, there is a right answer. No, There's at I, least one right answer. I think uh, you. I would have Ahsoka still connected with Obi-Wan and somehow, and they train Luke together. Um, and wow. Radical of, change. The balance of those two makes Luke an even better Jedi in an even more rap at a even more rapid pace um and possibly even brings in training Leia as a Jedi. I don't think they restart an entire order. But yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with ah- Ahsoka is still connected with Obi-Wan and they make the decision to train Luke and Leia together and together. Yeah. Together. So uh, it mm, so this is not in a new hope scene that you're adding. You're adding a return of the Jedi scene. I'm adding a plot line. I'm not adding just a scene. <laughs> you gave me the control. Okay. The super special editions. I, I, I would like to ask what plot line you think got added to it, uh, it as a result of the special edition. <laughs> but okay. The, you're mean, right. You're right. I gave you the prompt and you're allowed to, to run it ragged. And you, you certainly did. Good I certainly Lord. did. Okay. I still think... You know, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan dies in some way, gives himself to the Force in some way. <laughs> Just a boredom in old age. This heat is killing me. With with what happens with Ahsoka in Rebels um, and her confrontation with Vader there, I don't think she goes uh, to the second Death Star. I, I think she is able to step away and say, that's, that's something I've tried already and I failed and I'm not the one to do it. Uh, very much like in Luke, Luke Skywalker in the Last Jedi, like I, I, I faced him uh, as as my failure almost, and and I'm not the one that can save him. Um, so you have Luke and Leia go to uh, to the second Death Star together, and wow, I think that makes I think that makes Vader's turn even even swifter because something I thought about while watching the uh, Kenobi series is all. You know, Luke has traits of, of Padme and Anakin for sure. Like, Leia's are just her connections to them in terms of the way she behaves and and just her personality is just so much clearer and more obvious. And so I think Vader sees that right away and that, that turns him a lot quicker. Um, hmm. So, yeah, my, my honorable mention is uh, putting Yubnub back in, but... Oh wow! Okay, I love Yubnub, <laughs> but so. not Jedi Rocks. I don't understand. Like, I, it's it, so much fun. The song, why is, can't you? The song is fine. I don't want to ever have to go with that like down his throat three D shot that we get of uh, <laughs> the singer. It's just not. It's yeah, not anywhere that, I ever want to be ever again. I, you have the chance to change those 1997 special effects into you know 2022 versions and and make it really uh, look really really sharp. But no, you went and uh, just completely threw it out and burned it to the ground. Nice job, great. You know, I love me some Ahsoka. So <laughs> yeah, that is I I did not anticipate that. A wholesale new thread that you're weaving th- between them. I mean, come on. You knew I would bring Ahsoka into it somehow. And Ahsoka I, I, and Luke together? I you know, wasn't even thinking. Mm, that sounds about right. But 
<laughs> I think uh, I think that's where we'll wrap it up for the night. I, I, I think this was fun. I think this is definitely an idea we we should come back to at some point. Uh, I like it. We should we should rope some of the other uh, members of the team into it and, and pick their brains because I feel like Lindsay would just kind of soar with with uh, hypotheticals and and Zach would probably like turn everybody into Sith lords. And whatnot, too. <laughs> that sounds that I'm sounds sure. about right. Well, um, Dexter Jester has four red lightsabers. Poncrell got nothing on me. I mean, F Poncrell. No, just straight up. You watch your mouth. It's the most interesting part of that whole show. I won't go that far, but damn if I didn't feel emotions. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. So, so guys, send us send us your what ifs. What 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 things would you like us to discuss uh, on uh, on a future what if episode if we uh, if we if we have one. Uh, and you can do that by emailing us, clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com, or uh, Twitter, at Clashing Sabers, Instagram, TikTok, same thing, or where we are most active is in our continually growing Facebook group, uh, which is Star Wars Clashing Sabers. And as always, all of those links are down in the show notes, along with uh, everything else you need from us, our website, our Patreon to help us get some books into classrooms across the country. Uh, all mm-hmm. that good stuff you can find right there in the show notes. You don't even have to leave your app. You're welcome. Drew, <laughs> tell them hey, uh, where you're at. Uh, the Facebook group and on the Twitter is probably the two best places to find uh, what little contributions I can make to this this terrifying universe we all love to enjoy. And uh, I'm sure Drew will be uh, sharing his thoughts of Sh- his Shadow of the Sith uh, as as he continues. Once once I get through it, I'm sure we'll have. Uh, well, I'm not sure I will have lots to talk about, but I'll absolutely keep you updated and let you know how it goes. All right, we are looking forward to it. And until next time, remember the one question you never have to ask: <laughs> What if about? Because it is a certainty, and it is that. Batch eight is. Well, just say uh, hi. I don't know what to do now. You say, threw me off my say game. Say hi ho. Okay, we're like breaking sentence structure. It's a what if. Yeah, you totally ruined it though. I'm not even like it, it doesn't feel right. It feels wrong. Can we get a running start and try it again? One, two, three, four. Batch eight. Hi ho. There we go. Do you feel better now? I do, I do. Good. As long as you can sleep at night. All Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of the Clashing Sabers Network and ClashingSabers.net. All licensed sounds and images are the property of their respective copyright holders and are used for informational and educational purposes only. For more information on our nonprofit or to nominate a teacher, go to ClashingSabers.net. For questions or inquiries, please email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. You're just going to walk away?